Welcome to The Moon in Your Mind with your hosts, Chelsea Winter and Alyssa Ray. We are on a mission to build a community of empowered individuals to stay curious in their work, their relationships, and daily lives. By interviewing experts and uniting astrology and psychology, we will hold the space to connect you to new wisdom, unique stories, and insightful resources for you to cultivate your best human experience. Let's get curious. Hi, everyone. Today, we have an extra special episode with my very own sister, Kara. Kara is a wellness enthusiast with a knack for cooking and creating nourishing recipes. Kara works full-time as a behavior analyst, educating and training others and making meaningful behavior change. She's a registered yoga teacher, as well as a holistic health coach with a passion for sharing wellness tidbits and helping others to adapt to healthy lifestyles and routine. Thanks for coming on, sister. Yay! Thanks for having me. I'm very happy to be here. (laughs) So excited. So we'll start with talking about your sun, moon, and rising. So I know I've done your reading before, so I know you're a Scorpio sun, Virgo moon, and Cancer rising. And so anyone who's listening, you know, that's double water. So Scorpio and Cancer water. So definitely like very caring about others. Having Scorpio, definitely that ability to go deep and really get into like the dark parts of life. Uh, No small talk. For Kara. <laughs> nope. Going straight to it. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and then having the Virgo moon, you know, like very organized, maybe a little bit obsessive sometimes. Definitely checklists. Do you like checklists and taking things off? <laughs> To-do lists everywhere around my house and my brain and my phone <laughs> yeah. and, computer and anywhere you can imagine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. And then, uh, Kara, you just moved into a house. And I know during the reading, we talked about creating yourself a little Scorpio cave. So did you get to do that in your house? (laughs) I did. I know this is only audio for the podcast, but for you ladies looking, I've got my little like wellness corner and I'm in the process. Yes. It's like the third room of the house to be set up. So I took all of your advice, especially knowing that like I am like heavy in the water signs, like So now I just got to get on that, like, you know, fiery workout train, but I have the space to do so now. So, yay! (laughs) I love that. Love it. Love it. Yeah. So, you know, how did all of that show up for you? And I guess just in general, what was your background and upbringing? We heard Alyssa's side of it on her episode (laughs) a few weeks ago. So what's your side of it? I can't wait to hear. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I did listen to that episode a while ago, so I can probably, as Lissy talked about how we mirrored each other a lot growing up, I can absolutely resonate and just kind of project that more. I think as far as me going like, you know, Scorpio, I, I was always a happy child. My parents said that I was born like smiling, always happy, running around blissfully. But interestingly enough, like I had a really bad run of like nightmares and night terrors when I was in middle school. And I actually think that was the original source of anxiety that I felt. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like middle school is really the time where you start to come into your own. You start to recognize like social norms and peer pressure and growing up in a small enough town, but large enough, you know, it's suburbia in Connecticut, middle-class, blue collar, anywhere in between, you know, there's a lot of pressures for any individual. And you really start to feel those, I think, when you get into like the middle school age. So that was always interesting to reflect back on as an adult and realize like where my trail of like just development kind of came from. So I think my, my dark Scorpio side really showed up in ways that forced itself out when I didn't 
want to be dealing with it. And I was like, oh, everyone tells me I'm a happy child. I'm a happy child. I'm just going to stay happy. And I never really wanted to deal with a lot of those feelings. And they just kind of like naturally, they, they come out, right? You can't, you can't suppress it forever. And so mm-hmm. throughout middle school and high school, I dealt with like a ton of anxiety and just not really wanting to feel those feelings or go through the process of resolving them. And I would say, I'm kind of jumping around, but you can always interrupt me. (laughs) I feel like it was a great, great upbringing, wonderful childhood. Everyone should go back to Alyssa's episode because I don't want to repeat what she's already mentioned about like our (laughs) our, family and just like the close tightness, bondness that we are and and that just being like a solid ground and framework for living and, and finding the balance of independence and happiness and dealing with your, you know, your kind of like dark side or like the, you know, the ego in your brain telling you what's going on. Sorry, I'm kind of jumping around a bit. I don't really know. <laughs> no, that's good. This is good. I, I wonder too, like, because looking back for me, when I found out my big three and and had readings and whatnot, I was able to look back at our childhood and be like, oh, this makes so much more sense, right? Because like I was an earth sign and I loved being home in bed reading a book at, mm-hmm. like during certain occasions, you know? <laughs> so I'm just wondering like, with your big three, like, how do you look back at our childhood slash your childhood? Because even though we're related and connected, they were different, right? Like, knowing what you know now, how does that affect your reflection of our childhood? Well, so being the oldest, I think I had a lot of immature, just immature feelings around having to share things like with you or with our brother, you know, and just like as one example, like, you know, we are, we moved when I think I was like nine, maybe, and you were seven or six, and we had our own rooms to start. And then, you know, our mom got pregnant with our little brother, and we had to share rooms. And I think that, like, again, just like the Scorpio side of me was just like, I want to be by myself. I don't want to have to share everything. And like, I felt like a lot of resentment in those ways. And it wasn't until honestly, Chelsea, <laughs> you gave me my readings and went through all the signs that like, I could stop feeling bad for how mean I could have been like as a kid, because I was just a kid, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I was trying to navigate my world as myself, also as a big sister, as a daughter, as a friend, as all these roles that we all have. And I had a lot of like, just like sadness in my young adulthood, because I was like, I, I wish I could go back. Like, I think about just times we, we fought as a child, Alyssa, or like times like I let Ryan down because I didn't show up for him in a way that he needed as a very little brother. And it's just so interesting being able to realize like it wasn't necessarily a direct reflection of my like behavior or my motivation or whatever it might be, but actually like down to the core of who my soul is. And that Mm -hmm. really, really helped me kind of merge like my just awareness and capability of realizing like, okay, yes, I have accountability and control of my behavior. And like, objectively speaking, there are things that I can do, but I also have to recognize like when there's just the planets and, and everything going on out there in the galaxy that's more powerful than me as this tiny little individual. Mm, I don't know if that makes sense. I love that. Oh, it does. And yeah. I think that mm-hmm. that's a great, like, I don't, it's so empowering to just look back and be able to say like, oh, this makes so much more sense. And my blueprint of like my astrology and birth chart 
is that, right? And like that, I don't know, a lot of like forgiveness can come up as a result of it. And I think that also just goes to show how talented Chelsea is too. But I think it's really powerful, Kara, that you're able to look back in that way and forgive yourself. You know, I think that that piece is so important. We can't go back and change the past, but you can kind of change how you look at it going forward and kind of how those planets and, and the map kind of expresses itself differently now. That's really yeah. awesome. Yeah. Cause I mm-hmm. also think like if you can't recognize like old patterns and, and separate, like the lines are blurry, but you also have to separate again, like your own accountability versus what is just something that happened and, and you experienced and you have to move past it to move forward. And I think it's really important to process on all those different levels. So that way with every relationship you have, whether it's with your parents or a sibling or a friend, like you're not holding on to stuff that even if it was your fault, like it's still going to like disrupt the relationship if you're not able to move past it and analyze it in whatever way that works for you. Mm-hmm. You know, same goes with mom and dad. They were awesome parents. They are awesome parents, but they were tough. They were really, really tough. And, you know, it definitely created a little bit of like that people pleasing nature that I know that I have. And I know a lot of people have too, (laughs) to be able to, you know, again, like move past it and, and know, like, even now, like I was running late to Christmas Eve just the other day and I'm like freaking out. I'm like, "Ah, everyone's going to be mad at me. I'm being late. And I'm like, nobody cares. (laughs) Nobody cares if you show up late. The appetizers are going to get cooked. We're all going to have a good time and it's, it's going to be fine. (laughs) At 33, you know, still working through things, but who's not? (laughs) Right. (laughs) I love that. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in astrology too, like it, we talk about the observer and it's really just being like, how do you become that third party in your own life and look at like experiences you've had, like as if it were someone else, you know? So even being late to Christmas Eve, like you're so nervous and worried, you're freaking out, but then you have to realize if that was anyone else like you wouldn't care, you know, if like your brother showed up late to Christmas Eve, you wouldn't be mad at him, you know? So it's like giving yourself that forgiveness Mm -hmm. and then, you know, like using your chart to put language to your experiences where like maybe you didn't ever have language before. Um, I always think that's like just the most powerful part of readings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's like, because I think for me specifically, it's like recognizing again, that like very type A organized like moon sign that's like, you know, I take it all in and like, I have to portray myself as being put together and, you know, organized, but it also clashes with my sun and rising sign. So it's just so interesting. Again, just like finding the framework to see how it all fits together to know, like, you know, all throughout my life, I felt like I really, the pendulum really swung and I dealt with so much with that pendulum swinging and, you know, we can get into it if you want to, like just with eating and dieting and all that kind of stuff. But even just like me as a person, like having these shifts of being like, I want to be that girl that's put together and like always ready and like always has everything like on top of everything. And I stay on everything versus like swinging to the other side being like, I just want to be a hippie that lives on the beach and like doesn't give a shit about anything, you know? And like, I don't know. It's, it's like, I can be both. I don't have to be just one. I can do both of those things. And so Yeah, I feel like growing up from, you know, recognizing everything starting when I was like in sixth, seventh grade, becoming really self-aware and dealing with that pendulum swinging all the way throughout middle school, high school, college, young adulthood. And like, I feel like now that I'm in my 30s, it's really I just 
I don't know if it's because I'm so exhausted from that thinking, like of all those years, or like, again, like learning more about where I come from, you know, and what my signs are and just all of these different fields, like having that all come together has been so helpful. And like, just like, just feels so much better to be able to Mm -hmm. not have these unrealistic expectations and just to find the balance of all three, Mm. all three signs of who I am and what that means for me. So. Mm -hmm. Mm. Well, and the word that comes to mind for me for that too, is like integrating, like you said, like you can be both the hippie and the well put together woman, you know what I'm saying? Like those are all part of you, just like all three of your big signs are part of you. It's just about like integrating all of them and which one is expressing themselves like in that moment and like loving each piece. And I think just knowing you so well, obviously, but knowing like all the education that you've done and all the programs that you've done and training that you've done, like it really does embody all of that. And it's just so cool to like see it being put together and you really integrating it right now. Yeah. That part's definitely been fun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But before we jump into that, I do have to ask about your Saturn return. Okay. (laughs) I'm guessing that you and Chelsea have talked about it. (laughs) So I would love, and I I lived it, obviously. But, you know, what, tell tell everyone about when your Saturn return was, how it was, how it impacted you, what lessons you got out of it, all that kind of stuff. You might have to help me out, Chelsea, but from what I remember, we were talking about my Saturn return. It was like the first one was really when I was around 21. Is that what you, we were talking about, I think? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I was in a terrible relationship. <laughs> As you know, Alyssa, mm-hmm. I, I was actually my Saturn return one was when I was finally getting out of a very, very rough, mentally, emotionally abusive relationship that I allowed myself to be in for four to five years almost. And I'll never forget. (laughs) I was having friends over at mom and dad's house and my college roommate had just returned from France where she spent her summer interning there. And this guy that I was dating at the time was just being just awful, just awful. And I don't want to bring any of that negative energy into this, but he was really terrible. And it just like clicked, like watching him treat me so poorly in front of my own family at my parents' house. And like, it just dawned on me. I was like, I, this is awful. Like, why am I subjecting myself to this? Like, this is not worth it. And I broke up with him and it wasn't over then, you know, he dragged it out as long as he possibly could. And really just, I mean, you know, energy vampires, they're out there and they're real. Mm-hmm. And he totally sucked the life out of me for four years and knew exactly like he was manipulative and just really bad. Um, and I, I think because of all of my experiences going through middle school and high school and, and all of that time in college, I think I never really understood what self-worth or self-value meant. And I placed it in this other person. And so that Saturn return, I feel like really, it was like a really the universe just like shouting at me, like, don't do this again. Like, do not do this. Don't repeat this to yourself. And that was, it was a dark time. I mean, I almost ruined my relationship with my parents, my siblings, my best friend wasn't talking to me anymore. I really was just like isolating because I placed again, like all of my worth in this person that didn't return anything. He just took it all from me in a sense. Um, I'm going to get emotional. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
Well, and I think this was a chapter that I learned that I could hate my sister's boyfriend and I was very vocal about it because I was so protective of her. So it's a good learning lesson for all of us. Yes, Yes, it was. (laughs) But especially for you. And tears are allowed on here and so is swearing. So you're allowed to say it all. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Rough time. And then I want to say again, yeah, Saturn returned again for me, what, 28? I think we talked about Chelsea. And yeah, I think it was like 2018. 2018, yeah, okay, 20. yeah. So yeah. I, so I was born in 1989, so for, this sounds really weird, but I was born in 1989, and I always can keep track of the year that it is because I'm like, oh, if it ends in an eight, I spend most of that year being 28 or 38. That sounds stupid, but that's how I do it. No, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 2018, yeah, I was 28 that year. And I don't know if you remember this, Alyssa, but we had just gone out to pizza for my birthday with our family. And then mm-hmm. you drove me back to my apartment and you knew that something was wrong. And you just asked me, like, are you okay? And I just started sobbing uncontrollably. Mm-hmm. I was so not happy with my life at the time. I wasn't in a relationship. So this return had absolutely nothing to do with a relationship, but all to do with still like my own self-worth and my ability to take care of myself in the ways that I needed. I was overworking myself in a job that didn't really value my well-being. I was living with a roommate who used to be a friend and it completely destroyed our friendship from living together. Yeah, I was here in Connecticut. I didn't want to be, I never left. I wanted to move to Colorado, but I never did. And so there's just all these things. And I was like celebrating my 28th birthday. And I was like, I don't even know what I'm celebrating. Like, I'm not that happy with my life right now. And that was definitely felt like a low point because again, it was different than the first Saturn return. But looking back now on those two times, it was just really interesting, like how low life felt, but for all the right reasons. And then, you know, that kind of stuff happens in order to push you in the right direction. And so I feel like looking back, it's like, I really learned how to find the right person in a relationship and and what like signs to look for of what's not okay. And then also then for myself, like what I need to do or not do to, in order to take care of myself and in order to like find the balance and, and live like happily, sustainably, like in all the ways that are meaningful, like, so I can really enjoy this human existence this time around and not, not have any like major regrets going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very powerful, very powerful. And I think I, I remember that moment, like after your birthday too. And I just remember being kind of lost and not knowing how to help you, but it makes sense because it's like your Saturn return, you know, like that was your own journey. That was your own lesson that like you kind of had to figure out. And I think in a lot of powerful ways you have, you know, and yeah, I mean, what, what came after that? What happened for, again, I know, but for everyone else listening, kind of (laughs) where did, where did it take you from there? Yeah. Down and interesting, but uh, yeah, where did, it, where did I go from there? <laughs> it's <laughs> always interesting. <laughs> it's always interesting. Well, I mean, just a few months later, like I was, so it was October, I would say <laughs> a few months later, I started dating my now husband. <laughs> so the gift the universe brought you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, which interestingly enough, I don't know the timing of the Saturn returns, but it was like a little challenging of a relationship to start. And there were some old 
old experiences, old patterns that I had to like navigate. And I had the chance to either fall back into old ways of who I used to be in a relationship that wasn't advocating for myself or my own like respect or things like that. And I didn't repeat it. I said, no, I'm not dealing with this bullshit. Like you, you can't treat me like this. This is not okay. And we both kind of grew from that. It was very interesting. And it was a brand new relationship. So like some people are going to walk away and say, I'm not doing this. And other people have that intuition that this person is very special and, you know, think to figure out what's going on. Is it worth it? And it obviously worked out (laughs) because a few years later we got married. (laughs) Obviously. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) And, oh, I mean, we have, we have the greatest relationship. I'm so happy. So like, I think back to, you know, going, sitting in your car, crying on my 28th birthday. And then, I mean, that's one piece of it. Right. So like, I obviously like, I love my husband so much, but relationships outside of yourself aren't as important as the relationship you have with yourself. Like I truly think that. And so it wasn't soon after that birthday that I quit my job. Um, I got a new job. I almost moved to Colorado, but then I didn't because we have a very tight family unit and I'm happy I didn't end up leaving because it was for all the right reasons that I stayed. I enrolled in a health coaching program and yoga teacher training and just really decided that my job was what I needed to do nine to five to make a living. And I got into a really amazing position that I still have and I still love. I've been there for five years now. And it allowed me the flexibility to really dive into like wellness for myself, wellness to advocate for other people and really merge the worlds that I know of like behavior change and nutrition and just lifestyle and habits and all that kind of stuff. I have a great director who I work for now that like, personal well-being is more of a priority to her for her team than the profit we make for the agency we work for or anything like that. So, you know, again, looking back, it's like sitting, I can still picture myself crying in your car and I just like want to hug myself and be like, it's okay. It's going to turn out so great because <laughs> it has. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Absolutely. I feel like what just a beautiful story of like the Saturn return. And then so your Saturn is in the seventh house, which is all about relationships. And so I've seen people who have Saturn returns going through the seventh house. And some of them are about ending relationships or starting new relationships. But I do think like the most important thing that I keep seeing in charts with that placement is like that relationship with yourself and that truly like you're not going to find a relationship with someone else whether whether it's romantic or friendship or family like you're not going to have that full relationship like until you love yourself figure out what you want and I think it's so important like you started that relationship and you were able to say this is what I want and this is what I need and if you know, let's work together to make that happen. Otherwise, like, you're not the person for me, you know? And I think that's just so strong of you because it is really easy. Most, you know, I don't want to say most people, but it's very easy to, like, fall back in those old patterns Mm -hmm. and just accept what you've always accepted. Right. Yeah, totally. And, and, And I think, too, like, along with that is also, like, being honest with yourself. I feel like it's really easy to fool yourself into thinking and just like suppressing like what your gut and your intuition are trying to tell you that you need to improve your life, live a higher quality of life or whatever it might be. And once you are willing to get honest with yourself about who you really are and how you want to change that, I feel like that's that was a huge piece for me too. 
in that time of like 27, 28 years old, like I was not, I was not healthy. I was so far from healthy in terms of like my lifestyle, my choices, just, you know, the way that I, again, the way that I treated myself, the way that I let other people treat me, whatnot. And like, I just wasn't owning it. Like I really just wasn't even allowing myself to think that there was a problem. And again, like, I'm so grateful for my sister because I know that she was one of the only people at that time that was honest with me. Like, I'm sure you remember this list, but like, I was overworking myself. I was drinking a lot. I was canceling plans on everybody. I had several concussions from the time I was 25 through 28 and like didn't just didn't even think to do anything about it. Like wasn't just really wasn't caring for myself and didn't think I needed to. I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm resilient and whatever. And there were several times where like you had kind of called me out and you were like, you can't keep doing this. Like, why are you choosing work over your family? And, you know, you obviously said it in different ways, but having somebody in your corner to call, like, to to be honest with you, if you can't be honest with yourself is also like hugely helpful because I don't know, I think that also makes a difference. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Well, I'm happy that I could be that mirror. You're welcome. I mean, you've done it for me a million times too, you know, and I think that you and I have talked about this a lot, but in Chelsea, you might be able to say more on this, but Taurus and Scorpio are like opposing each other. So I feel like Kara and I just make really good mirrors, especially as sisters, because like we go through life together, obviously. So Mm -hmm. it, it just, I think when I'm going through something, you're not. And when you're going through something, I'm not. So it's really nice that we can balance each other out in that way. Um, But I mean, it is hard. And I think it can be really hard to call that out for someone. But I think when you build a relationship like you and I have where we can communicate that in that way, it's so important. But that's why having people in your corner that you trust and, and love can be so supportive for this journey. Because Yeah, I think even just like watching you go through some of that, it was really hard. Like, you're my big sister. I just want you to be happy. And I'm just so proud of like how far you've come from those moments and just all of the ways that you've advocated for yourself and just stepped into your own power and been like, no, this is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to do it. And I'm going to be happy doing it. And I don't know, I just continue to watch you do that daily. And yeah, just use your voice. I think it's it's really empowering. I'm proud of you. Oh, thanks, sister. I learned a lot of it from you. So (laughs) I may be the oldest one, but uh, it doesn't ever feel that way. You teach me a lot. (laughs) Well, I think when we were younger, for everyone listening, and Chelsea, I'm sure you've heard us talk about this before, but we were always confused as twins. And our mom used to dress us similarly, and we would do all the same things together and be signed up for all the same activities together. So I feel like we're like soul twins, maybe not like human physical twins, but yeah, in that way. So we balance the big sister, little sister roles. Well, totally. (laughs) Yeah, it's all good. But yeah, so let's jump into all the behavioral analysts, nutrition, yoga, like all of that stuff, because I would love to, I, I, I know your dreams and goals for it and I'm really excited for it to all come out, but what is a behavioral analyst? What does this all mean? Just for people who are not now. Yeah. Okay. So Behavior analysis is really a sub-branch of psychology. That's where it stemmed from. If you have any psychology lover listeners out there and they can recall from their Psych 101 classes learning about the Skinner Operant Conditioning Box or Pavlov and the dog salivating experiments, those types of things back from like the 60s, 70s, 
that's where it started. <laughs> so there are, it's, it's a sub branch of psychology that really looks at the environment and all of the stimuli taking place within that environment and how it impacts behavior, whether for better or worse. So psychologists learned primarily a lot of the research was done within special education or mental rehabilitation facilities. And they would be working with individuals as it applies to humans. They would be working with individuals who are engaging in either really maladaptive or really dangerous behaviors like self-injurious behavior or, you know, aggressive or violent behaviors. And basically it sounds weird, but what we do is we manipulate those stimuli within the environment. So that way those behaviors no longer happen. Or alternatively, we manipulate you know, stimuli, people, forms, and functions of things going on in the environment to encourage and reinforce and teach new behaviors to happen. Does that make sense? I could do a different explanation of mm-hmm. that. No, it, it makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's always like weird to explain because it's like, you know, I went to grad school for four years for this and it's like I learned about it for so long and I do it every day. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool. I currently work at a special education school that is for teenagers and young adults. So I work with kids age 13 to 22, and I mostly teach them like functional life skills. So again, we kind of use the science of behavior analysis to figure out what's missing from the environment or what's in excess in the environment in order to help an individual gain some independence and traction and momentum with engaging in certain behaviors and patterns and routines. And that goes both ways. But I like to look at it from the positive side because, you know, again, you might have some listeners out there that have seen behavior analysis in a bad light in social media because it's gotten a lot of a lot of hate the last couple of years just because of where the field came from, you know, but no field is perfect. There were medical experiments done in the 60s, 70s that would not be allowed to be done today. So it's kind of the same thing. So I really like to talk about it in a positive light especially with how we can improve, again, like our well-being by shifting what's going on in our home, in our, in our school, in our work, or whatever it might be, to, to really make positive changes for ourselves and establish new patterns, new behavior chains, and, and stuff like that. So I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think I'm happy that you brought up that it hasn't had good light for the past few years, because I think it's so important to... Owning it is not the right phrase, but really call it out for what it is. Like, yes, there are bad parts of every field that is out there. There's bad parts of every company that's out there. But when we're able to use it for good, like there is so much power in that. And I think just hearing all of your stories of like the students that you've worked with and the people that you've worked with, it's it's inspiring and it's it's a good thing. And I think there there's a lot of good grounding that comes from it. And when we compare it, this is going to be a very blunt and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this one, but comparison of like, we used to send individuals with special needs away and lock them up and kind of hide them from society. So now you have this field that is teaching them how to function in a happy way and how to live Mm -hmm. a joyful life with accommodations, obviously, but being able to support them in building these skills that are necessary to be a part of society and be not locked away. So it's like, why wouldn't we want that in the world? Right? Like, I don't know. Totally. That's really well said, actually, though, Liz, that's like perfectly explained. Like, Our goal is to 
really create meaningful change for an individual, what behaviors are socially significant enough that they're going to need to engage in those behaviors on a daily, weekly, monthly basis in order to have the highest quality of life possible. That's like really our goal is shifting meaningful behaviors to increase the quality of life for that individual and their family because it matters for them too. And it's a great shift that our society has made away from just institutionalizing anyone engaging in a problem behavior, anyone that might be not as cognitively developed as the next person. And it's really awesome. I, I think it's so cool. I, lo I love it. It's really cool that there's people out there that, you know, work on, you know, hygiene routines, work on navigating community spaces, like whatever it is, like you name it, like from training a three-year-old to use the toilet independently to training an adult with a cognitive disability to ask for food when they're hungry in their group home. Like anything in between, mm. as far as like the science goes, like we're really capable of doing. And what's very cool is like the new way of thinking in terms of behavior analysis being used in other fields. So using it within health and wellness and nutrition and, you know, businesses use ABA to develop and improve the well-being of their employees and, you know, their happiness in their jobs and things like that. So it's really malleable and it's really cohesive to so many other fields, which is cool because I don't know, it's kind of like in life too, like you can't go it alone. You can try, but it's not going to be as great as if you like rally a team of people together and like bring everyone's expertise and individual thinking to like improve a situation. So I feel like, you know, behavior analysis just has a unique lens of looking at human behavior and, you know, breaking down the science of how we behave in the ways that we do. And so it can be applied in a, in a lot of different ways, which I like to nerd out over. I think it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> And I definitely want to hear more about how you are using it to like in the health and wellness side of things and everything you're trying to build, you know, so how are you merging those two? Yeah, it's definitely it's I'm like I'm my own first experiment. <laughs> it's something. So I finished grad school back in 2016. I started working in the field of behavior analysis back in 2013 so I'm almost 10 years in and I really did like fall in love with it to start. I, I love kids though too. So like I started working at a special ed school. I obviously still do different schools, but nonetheless really saw it work with children and saw it work for like what it is in terms of an education model. And throughout the years, I found myself just kind of like trickling and slowly applying it to myself. So just as an example, like one of the really big tools that we use is called environmental modifications. It's a fancy term for just, you know, shifting what exists within a room or a space to make it more conducive to engage in some behaviors over others. So like for myself, you know, there's so many ways that you can do it. But just thinking like, I remember like living in some of my apartment, my apartments that I was in and like wanting to try to eat healthier snacks. Right. So like healthier snacks is a big one. I feel like that applies to a lot of people. Like you want to munch on healthier stuff. You want to kind of refrain from the sweets or the salty and everyone has their, you know, their swings of like wanting to be better in terms of eating. Right. Like quotations there, because like <laughs> all eating is good. If you're eating food, eat the food. But anyways, and so I found myself like just thinking, OK, well, if I want it have healthier options, I need to prep those. Like I need to make sure that I have like, you know, carrot sticks and celery sticks, like already like 
pre-packed, cut up in the fridge. I'm going to make the like the sweet stuff or, you know, again, like I mentioned, like I used to drink a lot. I don't anymore, but like I used to drink a lot more than I would. And I would just have to force myself to not buy it because if it's not in the house, you're not going to want to drink it. It's not going to be as accessible. So for some things, it's like literally removing that thing from your home is going to help you to like not access it as much. So like the environmental piece is a big one. I think that's a big tool that anyone can use. It's because it's free, right? Like you just either don't buy the things anymore or you put them in an inaccessible location, you know, even coming down to like TV, right? Like some people don't want to watch TV a lot. Maybe they binge for too long. Like it sounds crazy, but like hide the remote on yourself, like go put it away, unplug your cable box or unplug your internet, unplug your TV. And it's like, most people don't want to do that. But if you're motivated enough to want to make the change, you can take these like simple little steps to help yourself. And then there's not as much friction. Like it's, you know, Newton's laws or whatever they are, like objects in motion stay in motion, objects at rest stay at rest. So if you can get the ball rolling for yourself in whichever way you're looking to like improve, it really goes a long way. And it's not as hard to do when your structure, like the the dwelling that you live in or you spend your time in is already conducive to those new behaviors. I don't know if that makes sense. (laughs) everything you say is making sense. And I think it's so important because Mm -hmm. again, it's, you know, when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to yoga, when it comes to working out, when it comes to anything in life that we're trying to change or add to or whatever, there is a lot of behavioral analysis in it. Like that's just like how it is. And so I think it's so cool that you're really boldly like molding, merging, molding is not a word, (laughs) merging (laughs) all of it together and really being able to integrate it all. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, it's pretty cool. Like I know it like, again, because you're my sister, Alyssa, like you probably remember, like (laughs) when I was going through grad school and I got my first like big girl job after college, like in this field, I was annoying about it. Like I was truly, I will admit it. I was annoying. I wouldn't stop talking about behavior analysis or special education or the kids that I was working with and like all the things we were doing with them, all the way we were able to teach them social skills or, you know, leisure skills or just the academics they were again. Like I was like truly obsessed. Like, (laughs) and I still kind of am. I mean, my husband's also a behavior analyst. So if that tells you anything, like We love our field, but I think that is because like we see its positive impact. Like we see how it can make, make a person better, like, and their quality of life improves. And, you know, like you guys being in more of, of a mental health space with, you know, the psychology or therapy or astrology, like, I think it's cool too. like how all that stuff kind of ties together. Like when you have that behavior change happening, you end up a little, I think, happier for it because you know, using scientific tools from a field of psychology and being able to like take it and individualize it in your own way. Like, I don't, I don't see how that wouldn't lead to being happier. Like when you're finally like, Oh wait, I kicked that habit. I'm not drinking soda anymore. Or, you know, I really wanted to start running. And I finally, like, I'm finally getting out there more often to go do that thing. Like knowing how you got there, obviously like we always see like the starting point and the end point. Right. And like, it's always, there's so many like quintessential quotes about like enjoying the journey, but it's so true because it's like those baby steps too. Like that's, what's really cool about the field is like, 
you know, it's not just about taking behaviors away. It's not just about not watching the TV It's or not having the ice cream or, you know, not doing whatever it is, but it's about shaping it all. It's about mm-hmm. enjoying that process of going from, I want to be a runner or I want to take walks outside every day. I don't want to sit on the couch and scroll on my phone for three hours. Well, you can't just go from three hours of scrolling to two hours of running overnight, right? So it's like, Mm -hmm. it's all about like those baby steps and reinforcing them along the way. Like, and also forgiveness too. Like that's a huge thing too. Like giving yourself grace throughout the process, which you're not going to find that in the literature on behavior analysis, but we're humans. Like we have emotional experiences and you have to account for those things too. So like, again, for me as an example, like I wasn't in love with like our old apartment and I would just like kind of get in there and like be crummy about it. And like, it'd be a beautiful day. And I would just be like, I just don't want to be here. Like just found myself in a bad mood. And I was like, I'm not even going to go for a walk. Like, what's the point? And I was like, no, you're going to go outside for one minute. You're going to try to do that every day. And I never felt bad about going out there for one minute. And nine times out of 10, I got out there more and a little bit more every day until before you realize it, you've established this new pattern and this new routine. And suddenly you look back and you're like, oh, wait, like I am a walker. Like I associate myself with being somebody who gets outside every day because I, you slowly start to build that and build that until it becomes just like automatic and then you just do mm-hmm. it. But it didn't always exist that way. And I think a lot of people have a hard time with that. They just want to get right into that place of living and being that they want to be and they're motivated, but your motivation only lasts so long. And, you know, you have to find a way to engage in these behaviors and routines you're hoping to have for yourself just a little bit every day, even when your motivation isn't there. Like I'm not motivated to get outside every day, but like I force myself to go outside even on the days I don't want to, by having that mindset of just even stepping outside one simple little behavior of stepping outside. It may not be the full routine, but it's something. And yeah, it's, it's an evolution right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and a lot of what you're saying right now too, just reminds me of like so many of the principles of yoga. And I feel like that journey for you really unpacked a lot because, you know, I'm going to call you out a little, but I'm also calling myself out because I was this way too, but that all or nothing mentality yeah. of like, I have to practice yoga every day. And if I miss a day, then I'm just going to jump off the bandwagon mm-hmm. or like I have to eat super clean and salads every night for dinner with protein or like, okay, now I'm craving McDonald's. I guess I'll just like go get McDonald's and throw in the bag. But I feel like all three of us have gone through yoga teacher trainings. And, you know, for some of our listeners, a lot of it comes back to the art of being human. Like it's such a journey and it's such a process and there's always something unfolding. There's always a new like challenging pose to move into or a new challenge in life that we have to move through. And so I just hear a lot of what you're saying. I feel like those principles are being pulled into it too. So tell us about, you know, that journey for you and how that's kind of been incorporated in the work that you do. Yeah, that's a great, great point. And like, yeah, very good, very great point And like really important thing to, I think, include because for years it was really, I was like science, the science of ABA, science. Like I was all about like, you know, the, the research behind it and the literature behind it and, you know, a lot of higher education fields are very strict and rigid and they're very, you know, just straightforward in their thinking. And it wasn't until I probably started going through yoga teacher training that it shifted my mindset into 
just getting out of the human condition a little bit and recognizing that, you know, we're all here having this human experience, but that we can't control everything, even when we can control the environment that we live in. Mm -hmm. So it really, really helped for, again, like, like we were talking about before, like my self-forgiveness, it really, really helped to just hold on to a flexible mindset too. And I think, you know, come to realize that I, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know sometimes like how to put it into words, but that we're all the same unit. We are all the same. We all come from the same place. We'll go back to the same place. We are here on this earth for a temporary moment in time. And yes, I want to do what I can to improve my quality of life through the science as I know it. But I also have to like be able to pause and reflect and sit back and watch it all happen and watch it go on in my brain and and honestly like return to the text like the Bhagavad Gita and just the sutras and everything that I learned about in my yoga teacher training and really that's what I always come home to honestly even though like I'm a practitioner of behavior analysis and I love it and I do it full time. I found myself going through yoga teacher training, resonating more with what my teacher was teaching us than anything else I ever have before. And I explained it to her during our graduation weekend, how, you know, as a kid who dealt with a lot of anxiety, I still do. A lot of people do. I never really had a way to fully like accept it. And it's not that, it's not that I'm accepting it, but I'm, I'm kind of, it's like accepting it to let it go. Mm -hmm. I recognize, I think through what I learned that there really is like such a deeper core meaning to our living than anything else. And I feel like yoga teacher training was like that mind training. It was really like brain school almost (laughs) like, I know that sounds kind of weird, but just the, the mindset and the ideologies that came from learning about yoga and not just the practice, not just the poses, one of the my favorite things my teacher had told us was that yoga is is so far from the mat. It's so much more than what you do on the mat for an hour and it is that the hour on the mat is the gateway that brings you to the front door that is the shift in your mind and your thinking that that's what yoga truly is. It's so much more than just like the asanas and the breath work and those are huge tools that help you get to this place of like solidarity of solstice in yourself and you kind of come to realize so much more I uh, it's hard to mm-hmm. it's hard to, it's really hard to put into words I don't know <laughs> mm-hmm. you said that beautifully and it just reminds me so I'm going to explain it from like a physical yoga standpoint but it can be so applicable in life. But it's like when you're in downward dog for like five minutes and the instructor is like, move through the pain. It might be hard, but like what's on the other side of it and being able to feel on the other side of it, this like release and almost like relaxation sense, even though like that pain may still be there, but you're moving through it. You're Mm -hmm. not moving around it. You're not avoiding it. You're not trying to be like beat yourself up in, in your head being like, I need to be stronger. I need to do this more. Like, I'm not good enough. Like, I can't deal with this, right? But when you can move through it, like, 
that and you ex- you explained something similar during your Saturn return of just like we can't avoid these lessons we can't avoid the art of like we're all human but when we move through it and when we become a part of it and like one with it then we can actually experience it on a deeper level yes yeah it's so true it's like it is like separating yourself from your own you're separating yourself from yourself. <laughs> like, and I know that mm-hmm. sounds like weird, but you really are. You're finding the tranquility and knowing you exist in this way, but that's also different from the core of your being that will always live on, you know? <laughs> hmm mm-hmm. No, it's beautifully said. Beautifully <laughs> said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was definitely, I mean, yeah, like I, I still return to the texts. I still return to my notebook, like everything I have, um, For any listeners out there that haven't gone through a yoga teacher training, I highly, highly, highly encourage everyone to do it because it was, I don't know if I, when, when I leave this earth, if there's one thing I will be forever grateful for and take with me, it is the lessons that I learned in those 200 hours and the ones that I always go back to. They're so much more powerful than any green smoothie (laughs) or (laughs) anything else that uh, might, you know, might be hyped up in the wellness world. Mm I love it. And I think too, you know, being able to, I don't want to go down a whole religious loophole here, but for Kara and I, like we grew up in a household that was technically Catholic, but I personally got kicked out of CCD. So then I think we were both like pulled from CCD, but it's because we never went to church and, you know, this whole thing. But I know that both of us had always needed this spiritual belief system. And I think yoga teacher training was able to give us that, but also empower us to build our own belief system with concepts and principles from there, but also pulling from, you know, nature and mother earth and, and environmentalism and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. again, kind of dealing with mind, body and spirit in a different way. That's, it's interesting because it's ancient, but it's also so modern, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like this newfound freedom of like, you can build whatever religious belief system, spiritual belief system that you want to have. And I think a lot of that comes from yoga for both of us and a lot of other people. And, you know, yoga teacher training doesn't have to be just to become a teacher, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it can be solely for yourself. And I think that's something that you experience, but you're also pulling it into like your future offerings and and what you want to do with merging all of these fields. So long way of saying, you know, what, what are you building out right now? And what do you plan on doing with behavioral analysis, nutrition, yoga teacher training? Like what are your dreams for all of that to merge together? Yeah. Um, great question. So I really, I really love workshops. I love taking workshops. I love learning big pockets of information. And I love talking about this stuff. I love presenting virtually to rooms of people. And I really do think that my unique experience of behavior analysis, yoga teacher training, I have my certificate in integrative nutrition coaching. So it's really, again, for myself so far, I found this nice blend of mindfulness practices and practices that really feed my soul along with tools to keep my quality of life high because your health does matter and you need to be eating the right foods enough of the time, getting outside, doing some of those things that again, we know from health science fields that are legitimate in terms of living a healthy life. 
And then the science to make sure that that stuff is all happening and it's continuing to happen and it just becomes automated. So you start to build this life where you don't even have to think twice about the type of exercise you like to do, the type of meals you like to cook, the type of people you like to surround yourself with, how you talk to yourself and how you treat yourself. And I also really love women's health. And I absolutely think that we're not focused enough on in terms of Mm -hmm. scientific studies, health journals, all that kind of stuff. And that's a whole different tangent. I'm not going to even go down. (laughs) But I think it's really important that we become empowered and we support each other and we advocate for the health of our our emotions, our mind, our bodies, and our connections with other people. And so I'm really looking forward to helping people individually, should they want, you know, a consultant, a coach, whatever, whatever you like to call it, someone that they need just a little bit of guidance, you know, on an ongoing basis to help them start those new habits, keep those new habits, kick the old ones, you know, and kind of tie in like, you know, almost like a la carte style, what it is that you're looking for? Are you looking for mindfulness practices? Do you really just need straight up behavior change because your environment is not set up for you? Or do you need an accountability person to make sure that you have somebody to go to when it comes to starting new routines, establishing new behaviors and boundaries and all that kind of stuff? And I have, I have some cool workshops planned based around, you know, Ayurveda and seasons and and the female cycle and how to kind of encapsulate those, those ideas into your own like well-being. So a lot, Mm. a lot in the works. And and now that I've moved, I actually have the time (laughs) in my little Scorpio cave to start working on all of it. So very, very excited. (laughs) I love it. When you like your education, your training and your passions really hit mind, body and spirit. So it's cool that you are able to take this whole being approach in such a modern and unique way. And so many people are going to benefit from it. And I'm excited. Thank you. I'm excited too. (laughs) Yay. Yeah. So, you know, we love to end every episode because obviously this is all about being curious about our guests, kind of what they do, but we want to know what you're curious about currently and kind of what are the practices that help you stay curious in life? Because I think it can be so easy to not remain curious and just remain on kind of the treadmill of life and Mm -hmm. being modern human. So what do you do to stay curious in your own life too? Those are great questions, guys. Love (laughs) them. two kind of answers there. I think one of them is I historically will push past emotions or thoughts or feelings that I'm experiencing. Or when those kind of like come to the surface, I just often try to again, like push past it or associate it with something that it might not be the true association with. So I'm learning to get definitely more curious about where these like thoughts and patterns are established and coming from and allowing myself to sit with them long enough to experience it in order to like really, truly, genuinely understand and process and benefit from them. Because I think, you know, as a person that's highly anxious, it's really easy for me to write everything off like as that or just be like, oh, I can't deal with this. Like I, you know, it's anxiety or whatever it might be. So I feel like I'm definitely trying to to give myself the space and grace to experiencing the mental states that I flow through because it's very easy to just want to be happy all the time, but without really allowing myself to go through and grow through what I've gone through, 
yeah, I, I feel like I won't be curious or I won't hold on to that curiosity forever. And it's it's kind of like my way of of promoting my own self-development, if that answers your question. And then I think the other part of it too is like remaining playful. So my husband's very good at being spontaneous <laughs> and being playful and just like wanting to try new things and wanting to be adventurous. And if I don't catch myself or if he doesn't, like I do stay on that treadmill and I'm just like, nope, we're not. I'm just, I'm just going to stay in these habits and patterns that I have and just go through the motions of the day. I honestly want to kind of more embrace that because, you know, for us, at least right now, we, you know, we did just move into a house. So it's a really awesome, unique opportunity at the start of a new year to really just like develop our environment here and really make it a house that's full of like love and fun and, and be more of those people. He's very good at like staying curious uh, and, and playful. And so I definitely, definitely want to do more of that too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Richie is the guy, he always has a magic trick, a board <laughs> game, and you can always find him with the kids at any party. <laughs> Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the cool thing, too, is I think to go back to your last Saturn return. But, you know, he really showed up in that like yin yang way. Like, obviously, you both had growth to do, but he is such a good partner for you for that reason. Like he helps to balance that out and you help to balance the other side out for him. So I think it is. I don't know. It's a beautiful thing that you remained curious about during your Saturn return. And that's why you're not married to him and own a home together. So it's like, I don't know. It's cool. It's awesome. Full circle. It's wild, Mm -hmm. man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. Kara, thank you again for coming on today. This has been so great. And, you know, just let our listeners know where they can find you, Instagram, a website, an email list. You know, how can they keep up and sign up for those workshops when they're released? Sure. So right now I've got my Instagram. I just started. It's at Hello Cafe. And eventually you'll be able to find me on all the big platforms there as I'm just getting started. And you can probably Google search that too. And a Squarespace site will pop up in just a few days. So um, that's another <laughs> spot too. <laughs> uh, yeah. So thank you guys for having me. This has been like the best conversation ever. So I'm so excited and honored to be on your show. So thank Yay. you. <laughs> thank you. I loved having you. Thanks for coming on. And we'll link all that below so everyone can find you easily. But we'll have you again. And we can't wait to see all of your offerings. Yay. I can't wait to share them. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) We hope you loved this conversation as much as we did. As always, don't forget to rate, follow, and subscribe. And find us over on Instagram at the moon in your mind. Thanks for listening.